Welcome to Be Honest Podcast with Dr. Yana and Dr. Sherry, where we hold honest conversations about life, relationships, challenges, and everything in between with unfiltered discussions with real people offering their authentic stories, experiences, and perspectives. No topic is off limits and no story is too small. Join us on United Public Radio Network 107.7 FM. Hello, everyone listening and watching to us today. We are streaming live uh, from Louisiana, from New Orleans, on United Public Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7 FM. You are with us on the Be Honest podcast, where we have honest relationship talks with Dr. Sherry and I. I'm Dr. Yana, and this is Dr. Sherry. Hello, Dr. Sherry. Hi, thank you. It's nice to be here from New Orleans. I'm an existential coach, helping people make sense of their existence, their purpose and meaning in life. And I hope to bring a lot of meaning to the table today. That's so wonderful. And I'm Dr. Yana. If uh, you don't know me yet, I am a transpersonal couples therapist. I have worked with the women and men to achieve their goals, to understand themselves and their relationships. And I hope that those that join us can learn something for themselves and be able to understand themselves and the relationship and life in general. Today, we have a very interesting topic, um, how to weed through the nonsense of the dating world. Dr. Sherry, do you think that's an interesting topic? I think it's an interesting topic, especially in modern day. I think there's such a diverse way of meeting people. So let's get to the bottom of it. Let's get to the bottom of it. Exactly, exactly. So what all that uh, encompass? So um, we have a few points to cover. But first of all, we have to understand in the dating world, it can be such a cruel dog, a dog world. And uh, we have to be able to navigate in order not to be eaten, you know, that the, we get through the social media, that uh, uh, life is supposed to be like a fairy tale. And then you're dating and romantic life is so good. <laughs> But in fact, in reality, and not the, everybody's sharing with each other, and not everybody is honest, even with themselves, that it can be such a cruel experience for in-person dating and for the online dating, and especially nowadays in our modern world when everything went online, including us, Dr. Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, especially in the online dating world, it can be really cruel, upsetting, confusing at the same time. So what do we do? How do we start it? I believe that we should start uh, from uh, the point of understanding our goals. So what do we need? What are we looking for? 
and to be completely honest with ourselves, not so much with other people at the very beginning, but to be honest with yourself. What are you looking for exactly? So are you looking for finding a life partner? Are you looking for just uh, to get uh, your feet wet to understand, to get back into the pool of dating? Or you're a professional dater and you still have not gotten any um, achievement of your goals. Like, what were you looking for? And you get so frustrated even uh, after dating for several years and you know it happened to me as well uh i was there i was there for several years and um it was really frustrating up until the time when i got so mad and upset not that other people of course that they were so frustrating you know that the, the dating world is so awful i thought like that's it i'm done i'm done i'm done and i will never get back here again and then i sat with myself you know and i thought okay what can I do on my end in order to have my ideals, my goals to come true? And I took the piece of paper and I wrote down what was so important to me. What I was looking for appeared to be that it was not in such an easy task because uh, when we get into that pool of dating, you know, we have so much information from our girlfriends, from our friends, just from parents and just anybody or the, just the social um, media. What do we do? What do we do? We just have to understand it for ourselves. And writing, in fact, is an amazing um, method to understand yourself and your goals. So I made a list. My list was huge. <laughs> it was okay of understanding. Okay, like this is what I need and this is what I don't need. So I created two columns. What I need, what I like and what I want my partner to be and what I don't like it to be because from the very beginning, uh, I had, uh, um, of course, a series of uh, unpleasant um uh, encounters with people, some were nice, some were not so nice, you know, but uh, it never worked quite out for me. So I knew what I, I did not want, but definitely I figured out what I wanted. And I was not ready and I was not willing to settle for anything anymore. So while you're there at the time, when you completely hit the rock bottom in this area, right in this field, or you're just uh, still exploring and dating and meeting new people or even seeing the people that you already know. I think it is absolutely important to get honest with yourself and ask yourself questions. What do I need? I agree. Uh, be honest is a, a wonderful way to look at it. If you can sit with yourself and be able to provide what you're seeking in someone else to them and to yourself. You have to be able to provide to yourself what you're also looking for in another person, I believe. So dating is a social activity. It's also an interpersonal activity. It's a connection with another person, generally in the form of developing a romantic connection. So I believe that authenticity is a big factor in dating as it is ultimately in just life in general.
True. So how do we get started? Well, we have to clarify our intentions first by taking a piece of paper and writing it all down for ourselves. And we don't have to make it public to, to publish it on social media. These are my lists. Everyone who is remotely uh, um, comparable to my list, come on along, you know, because that can be so difficult in terms of once we become honest with other people as well about our needs and desires, those people can actually also be deceptive. You know, they can be deceptive because they first, uh, they may not be honest with themselves and uh, they are not honest with you. So in my understanding that it is um, important for you, for us to know what exactly do we need, you know, and keeping that list uh, closer to your heart and not really revealing all that information to people because um, the world as we know it we think that, oh, it is so much different from the world that we used to have. Yes, with technology, for example, yes, right? But the thing is that the dating world has always been the same. You know, it's uh, the understanding of people, uh, the techniques that they use to manipulate each other, to get what they want. It's always been the case. So in our modern world, have we stopped being humans? No, we haven't. We still have our human personalities, right? The, we are in a human form and we have to deal with it. And if we have the technology that is helping us, we have to be really smart in how to navigate our dating life through uh, online means, through all of those apps. We have to be extremely uh, cautious. So navigating technology wisely also implies to get some wisdom, you know, if you yourself through all of your experience uh, have not uh, been able to understand how to be cautious online, then there's so many different uh, articles on that. Uh, I know, for example, I had to get to that through, um, uh, through trial and error. But for me, I've always been so observant. And um, Every time that I would meet people uh, through online dating, through match, for example, I uh, uh, would watch. I would watch the person because I had my own criteria how to understand what that person is all about, right? But the interesting thing is that the, some apps, they actually have um, special settings, that can show even the distance of the person from you, right? doesn't matter where you are. It shows the distance of the person. So there is a lot of deception going on with people, in fact, being scammers from different countries, for, from uh, third, fourth, tenth world countries, trying to scam people uh, in uh, um, different cities, different countries, and uh, thousands and thousands of miles away. Well, that, if it is available, that we know it, right? What if it is not available? Then uh, I would um, suggest to use your um, 
observational skills you to understand how people speak well for of course like for me it's uh, uh much easier because i'm a linguist and analyze the language uh in which people speak right and in this terms uh, in, in this case will be english so to me <laughs> also being the university professor i always analyze even the handwriting and even the uh emails all the papers and I know how to how people speak so I know that their baseline not always that we know the baseline of the person who is texting us through match for example right but if the if the person is saying that oh I'm from United States I'm from California then you have to be able to understand that that person should be speaking good English right and even if uh, they claim that the uh, oh i was born and raised in such and such state you have to understand and be really vigilant on how the person is communicating with you or whether they uh just prefer to be texting or just um uh letting you know that you know i cannot meet with you you know i had a friend um she was communicating with a person online for several months and the person never wanted to meet her you know it's every single time there was something oh i can't do this i can't meet with you today or just canceling the very last second what does it, what does it tell us as women for example if we're talking about us dr sherry what what does it tell us if the person cannot commit to meeting us after communicating with us online for so long and even having conversations and text exchanges? I think in addition to being scammed or thinking about people scamming you, people don't just look out to scam people for their money. They look out for time and loneliness. Some people are sitting behind a computer because they're lonely. They don't want to show their face. If um, people could understand the difference between loneliness and solitude, they would understand that it, just being alone, if you learn to sit with yourself and you learn to love yourself, I believe it's a Buddhist quote, if you learn to love yourself, you'll never be lonely again. You can sit with yourself. And I think if if someone's showing those types of patterns, again, patterns, that's another word, a key word we can tune into here. People display patterns. All human beings display patterns in relationships. Those were red flags come in. Those are patterns that sometimes we are so lonely or we may be in our own denial you know what does denial stand for don't even know i'm lying there's an acronym for that right it's like because we're lying to ourselves because oftentimes we meet people and we see the red flags but we don't listen to them so when somebody doesn't want to meet you or won't even have a face-to-face -face conversation with you excuse me over facetime then i think you need to take a step back and uh resituate yourself with that individual and ask yourself why do i continue to reach out this, to this person who doesn't want to see me? What is it about me? Well, a lot of the times, of course, that the, we seek for problems in other people and we don't see uh, a log in our own eyes, right? We look for the speck. We see the speck in other people's eyes, but now we don't see the log in our own. So while blaming people is uh, um, one thing that the... I think that it is so incredible that you noted the, the love component here, and not necessarily to other people, right? But for ourselves, 
Now, what does it mean to love yourself? Is it like uh, going to uh, take a bath, you know, the bubble bath with the gla glass of wine or champagne, you know, to go get pampered with massages? What does it mean, in fact, Dr. Sherry? I believe love means when, you're, uh, when you love yourself, you don't seek the external to make you feel whole. You don't rely on a person, a place, or a thing to feel whole. And remember, like when we blame people, anytime we point the finger, remember where the other three fingers are pointing? They're pointing right back at us, right? I mean, we could probably go a little further into young, right? Whatever we irritates us in another person is, what's, is within ourselves. So I believe it's um, self-love is not seeking something outside of myself to feel whole, not feeling I need to have a relationship to feel whole in my own life, being content with in my own being. I believe that's self-love. That is self-love and not looking for the validation from the external world. But this is so difficult to do because we're social beings and we do seek validation for we grow up this way. Correct. And our parents, for example, they uh, have uh, praised us or not praised us or punished us for something. Right. So we learned this kind of a behavior. So we do need uh, some sort of a validation. <laughs> so uh, when we post something on social media and there's no response, you know, the healthy uh, response would be from yourself uh, that, uh, okay, maybe this is not the, the time. Maybe it is uh, depending on the goal, uh, the, the goal of your posts, right? Um, but unhealthy response would be to continuously seek and count on who said what and look at how many likes and dislikes and hearts and thumbs up did we receive? So that is right. unhealthy behavior. That is unhealthy. So Go ahead. Yeah, we have to understand that, that in ourselves and not to be so dependent on the, the outward validation, right? Because people may have ulterior motives to validate you. And depending on the type of daters, for example, we can um, <laughs> see that in ourselves. What, what are the type of daters that we have? You know, we have casual daters, we have uh, romantic daters, we have people who look for serious relationships, right? Uh, we are looking, um, we have the uh, reserved daters, adventurous daters. There's so many different kinds that we can find themselves in it, right? They're hopeless romantics. Uh, they are rebound daters. So in order to approach this safely, we have to say, um, you know, people come from different um, ways of life, different ways and walks of life, including ourselves. And depending on the time that we are uh, entering the dating scene, we have to understand where we're coming from. For example, maybe we just ended the relationship with somebody and we are hurting and we're trying to get back uh, on the dating scene um, to also to validate our feelings, to validate that we're still attractive, that we're still smart and we're still, still desirable, you know, but um, with other people, it may be the same. So when you meet the person for the first time, what do you bring to the table? Hoping that you get a coffee, at least, and not just the walking date that a lot of people like to do, right? Or um, to dinner table, there's just thing that, what do we bring to it? We have to bring ourselves, we have to bring um, 
our perfectly clear understanding of our own goals, we have to bring our own boundaries, and that is a part of self-love. And if it is not, if people think that the boundaries, they are not, and we have to put ourselves for the service of other people, then that could be a problem. You know, loving yourself in terms of not spilling the, um, what they call the pearls in front of swines, that's what we call it, right? <laughs> and, you know, I must say there's a lot of swine that we <laughs> throw the pearls person front off. And I'm not calling those people swine, but at the same time, those people don't deserve, um, it's, it's just a euphemism and uh, they don't deserve um, our attention and what we are able to offer to them. So, mm -hmm. How can we approach this uh, first date, Dr. Sherry, in your opinion? Well, I think first you should t take a little time to get to know the person. Are you speaking, I mean, with regard to a dating app, even speaking on the phone, first date, just bring yourself, like you said, communication is key. Clarify your intentions. If you're going there seeking an expectation, and seeking validation from the person. These things are not always conscious either. These are often things that are, we don't even realize that's happening to us. Sometimes we know our gut is um, talking to us, but we don't listen to it, you know? So uh, bringing to the first date, date, I would say open and honest communication and be and behold or embrace rejection if it happens. Because I think in the dating world, there's gonna be a lot of rejection. And I think rejection is just a sign of there's an incompatibility and rejection is what I've been told is like the creator's protection, the divine protection. So rejection is protection. There is um, an incredible story that I heard a long time ago, and it's such a wise story that um, I'd like to share. A uh, long time ago, there was uh, one woman in the village. Uh, um, she was so unhappy. And she was seeking the advice of one of the elders in the village. So she went uh, to him and said, you know, everyone in my life have been uh, really, um, every person in, in my life, uh, whoever came along, whether that would be my children, my husband, or just anybody, my friends, neighbors, they've all mistreated me and they all really uh, treated me really badly for whatever reason. I've been always so nice and sweet to them and accommodating and giving them my lust to everything that I had. So what is the problem, she asked him. So the wise man replied, do you go outside in the morning, do you go outside naked, undressed for everybody to see your naked body? And her reply was, how can I do that? Oh, that's impossible. Why would you even ask that question? So his reply was, if you don't go outside naked for everybody to see your naked body, then why do you go outside into the public with your naked, uncovered soul? So we must be able to understand how to protect ourselves. And that is an absolutely fine thing to do. Nowadays, when we hear a lot about, oh, we have to be so open and transparent, you know, that transparency is just killing me, I must say. While we have to weed through the nonsense of uh, a lot of um, shadiness, 
at the same time, being completely transparent can hurt us in the dating scene. Wouldn't have to go out and immediately suggest to people, oh, this is what I'm looking for. This is my list. Put shove it into the person's face. And if you don't agree with any of these points, out of here, you know? <laughs> so that's not the approach. But at the same time, we have to be able to protect our hearts and protect our souls. What does it mean? to get educated in manipulative techniques, to be educated in how to um, know what people are after, to look at their um, physical appearance, to look at the way that they are talking. What is it suggestive of? Because a lot of the times when we go on a first date and I must um, give uh, people uh, a great advice that I learned a long time ago. On the first date, when we meet someone, doesn't have to be um, the romantic interest or just anybody. The first time you meet the person, they will always be very honest with you because they think that uh, they might not even see you again. So that is just the subconscious understanding of it. So whatever questions that you ask them, they will be able to respond honestly, more or less honestly about it, well, depending on the person, of course. So get as much information as you can. Talk in a very nonchalant way, but really observing the person. So uh, it is absolutely important also to... Uh, let the uh, people know what you're looking for in a very, I would say, short sentence without uh, really revealing what's extremely important to you. If you're looking for the life partner, you say, yes, I'm looking for the life partner. And to me, it is a very important uh, um, thing. And uh, I am a serious person. And um, I would like to meet another person who would be uh, matching my interest, my personality, right? You can do that. Um, but at the same time, uh, you should not uh, reveal everything uh, to the new person that you meet in terms of um, your likes and dislikes, because people can mirror you so easily. And that could be uh, a problem for you in a long term for if the person decides to stick with you, then uh, for doesn't matter how long a time, like a week, two or three or five months, for example, they could be easily mirroring you, giving you what you are looking for. So have to be really difficult, uh, have to be uh, really um, easily understood and to get clear with, right? So, and then again, if the person comes to you, <clears throat> and they have a different understanding of uh, life in general, and they have a different goal. If you're a serious person, and uh, so it's, if you approach the relationship seriously and this dating scene, and the person is, for example, just an adventurous dater and just want um, to have some fun, then that may not be a match for you. But again, Dr. Sherry, like you said, we have to be honest with ourselves. And understanding that if we let go, of uh, um, those red flags that we're seeing, that this person is not for us, but at the same time, oh, he looks so cute, right? Oh, she looks so adorable. And we're just trying to make uh, uh, something with them. 
that may not be a great match for you because if you are just physically attracted to each other, then you must also understand that the attraction has to happen on so many different levels as well, which are not less important, meaning that the emotional level, uh, spiritual level, right, intellectual level, and also the physical level. So, Dr. Sherry, in your experience, uh, did you find that true? Or you think that um, physical uh, attraction could be enough for all of us? Well, my experience, I have, a, I have a lot of red flags that I've missed. I chose to miss them looking back. Um, like Steve Harvey said, if I could sew all my red flags together, I could make a cape and fly away with it. Um, so I understand I've, I have the experience with the red flags. Showing up on a first date, I believe it's important to be open and honest. You don't have to tell everybody. I don't think there'll be enough time to tell your life story. I think in addition to our psychological presence that we bring, we're also bringing in our biological truth, which we are predetermined, I believe, as a species and what research points out to have neurochemicals going on in our body that also lead us into directions that are we may want something quicker than we are willing to work for it. So we may want to dive into a relationship or to something quicker than is necessary because we truly don't know a person. So if you have experience going into a relationship really quickly, another quote, whatever happens fast tends to end fast. So if we dive into something really quickly and we don't know the person, you may be hanging out and you figure like eight months down the road, you're not even compatible with this person. So I think the most important thing is to build a compatibility. Am I compatible with this person? Do my values align with this person? Can they be long-term? Or as you mentioned, if you're clear with your intentions, if they just wanna be casual, you can be, have a casual relationship if that's what you're seeking. But if you're not seeking a casual relationship and another person is and you get hooked up on this person and they decide they want to walk out, then those are the things you have to embrace and not be shifting blame when they told you their true intention. But that I believe it is so easy to do because um, the hardest thing is to look into ourselves, correct? And it is so easy to project our insecurities and blame other people. And we see that all the time. And we just... Uh, look at ourselves and our own behavior, we will be able to recognize it, that we are truly projecting our insecurities when the, that person could be uh, a pretty good match for us as well. However, um, by working uh, through uh, our own personal problems and traumas and insecurities, uh, and then entering the dating world would be an absolute must because if we don't, all those insecurities and all those traumas that are going to be guiding our choices. So, um, and those choices uh, will not, definitely will not be the best for us. So if we're hoping that uh, after a very difficult, abusive relationship, we immediately go into the dating scene and we hope to find the uh, Prince Charming on the white horse galloping our way and marrying us immediately, if that is our goal, that will not be possible. So we have to take those rose-tinted uh, glasses uh, uh, off, right? By realistically looking at the life around us. So yes, remove the smoking mirrors. 
remove that completely mm -hmm. because if you're putting that yourself in front of you, right, then you're not going to be able to see things clearly. And that could be, you could definitely meet a very fantastic person uh, with whom you think that you're going to be able to build an incredible life. But if that person is uh, so incredible and emotionally available and completely stable emotionally and uh, financially in their life, right? And you are not, then nothing is going to be possible at that time as well. So this is what I even discovered in myself and um, also the so many uh, men and women that uh, I have coached. So we have to get honest. We have to get honest with ourselves at the very beginning. We have to work through whatever we're going through before even entering the dating scene. Unless... It is just to get your feet wet for the social interaction, for making friends. But if we are hurting, if we have not resolved our personal issues, then we're going to bring these issues from one relationship to another. And it will be very problematic, a very, very traumatic for ourselves. Well, for another person as well, but they have a choice to leave us, right? <laughs> and the patterns that you have uh, mentioned Dr. Sherry, the patterns is a very important thing because uh, uh, nowadays um, we can uh, be quite naive and uh, listen to the words that the person is saying. And I was there myself. I'm not just saying that I'm this omnipotent, almighty, the most smart, the, the, the smartest person in the world, right? I know how to navigate everything. No, but it is important to get uh, clear with ourselves, right? Um, now I forgot what I was going to, Dr. Sherry. <laughs> it all slipped into subconscious. What were we talking about? Well, it, I, I, like we were, to sum it up me metaphorically, relationships are like, you want your, like a house, a foundation. So you want to build this strong foundation to have a healthy, functional relationship. But when you go, when you go from dysfunction or having relationships that have toxic behavior that causes dysfunction or relationship. Every time you leave, when you continuously go back and um, just dive into the diving pool, not healing yourself, each time you go through a breakup or even a tremendous one, your foundation crumbles. So, so many times, myself included, I've got right back into the dating scene, dragging my house behind me in a sack because it's all rubble. So I'm trying to put a new relationship to get back together with this rubble instead of trying to build a new foundation metaphorically speaking. So you would like what you're saying, if you don't take time to heal, you may tend to come with a broken foundation and start to self-sabotage based on your own insecurities of not taking time for yourself. I think this also bleeds into attachment styles, but I think we should shave that for another show because that's a whole another ball game or can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, uh, now if we're talking about the rebound relationship, uh, I did not even know what it was a long time ago. And I was going from one relationship to another, carrying, like you said, the in entire house of uh, rubble, <laughs> right? And uh, I would bring the same issue into every relationship. So to tell you my story very briefly 
when it changed for me, uh, I had to withdraw myself from the dating scene because uh, it was one and the same relationship and with different partners again and again and again. And speaking about the, the um, patterns, if we believe something, what the, uh, people are saying, it's a one thing. And then we see their action. Oh, it may feel so nice to us, right? But however, I have learned um, to... Um, uh, one very important thing, and that, that has been my motto for my entire life, that uh, I um, don't believe what people say. I sometimes don't even believe their actions, because they can be good, they can be bad. But I always believe patterns. Patterns never lie. Either my own patterns or the patterns of the people whom I'm seeing, whether friends or partners. So if we see the, the pattern, one particular pattern or several patterns in a row, we have to ask ourselves, what is it here that I need to understand? And to stop excusing that person's behavior. Because, um, you know, as... Um, human species and especially being female we have um, the tendency to forgive to be nice in the relationship to kind of uh, um, even out the sharp corners um, but we need to get honest again with ourselves and say all right I have observed this person for quite some time. And people can actually give away their cues from the early on. Um, and then you can say that, all right, this person promised, um, made several promises that the, he's going to do this, this, and that. And I've been waiting, and I've been waiting, and he just keeps giving promises and not fulfilling them. What does it tell us? If we have a trauma, for example, there's something very familiar we went through in our previous relationship or um, as children with our parents, we're going to be excusing that behavior again and again and again because there, it, it feels to us uh, as a very familiar environment and we will just continue to excuse that behavior. But then how do we get out of ourselves because it's very uncomfortable we cannot approach we cannot change the situation in our lives coming with the same framework right that we approach situations and problems before we have to change it well how do we do that this is such a difficult thing to do so how would how do we approach that dr sherry it, it specifically what the patterns yes how do we um get outside of ourselves of our own paradigm, for example, uh, that we use for understanding of this world? And how do we get on a different level of understanding of ourselves and other people? How do we change that paradigm? I, I think one thing to remember as, as well, like there's a lot of unconscious things, like you said, from our childhood. A lot of times we're, we have this um, primitive fear of abandonment because we don't want to be lonely. So we, we will stay in a relationship because it's, it's unconscious. Until you bring your consciousness to the light, even by writing it on paper, until you make your unconscious conscious, you're just going to continue to allow your shadow to probably lead you in life and 
you may experience a lot of fear. I think getting in touch with yourself is one of the self-discovery, self-transformation is a major goal in being able to navigate healthy relationships. Because if I have a, there's different types of adult attachment styles. Let me just bring up some attachment here. Because attachment has a lot to do with how we deal with our adult relationships. We have secure, about 50% of the population is secure. I believe it's like a 20% are avoidant, 25% are anxious, and there's some disorganized. And that tends to be, um, I believe it's fear, fe fearful and avoidant, anxious and avoidant. So if you're having these experiences, say you're self-sabotaging your relationships and you you sit with yourself and you're like, I keep, I'm really becoming really jealous of my partner. They're giving me no indication of why I should be jealous, but my own insecurities are causing me to do this. And I continue to self-sabotage. That would be a pattern that keeps going. So I think it starts with yourself and having having the ability to come to self and trying to get out of the relationship. So often, and I've, I'm guilty of this myself, I've stayed in relationships beyond the expiration date. I didn't even want to be with the person anymore. I knew I didn't love them, nor were we not compatible, but I just for some reason couldn't leave. And it was because I didn't, I didn't work on myself and I didn't, I was latched onto this, I believe it's like a fear of abandonment, fear of being alone, fear of not getting what I want, fear of uh, losing out. I think coming to terms with those things will help us manifest a reality in a relationship to be able to detach from an unhealthy attachment. That is so true. That is very true. But we don't, uh, we walk uh, our life, we walk on the, on the path of our life without even thinking, oh, um, what is that person's attachment? Even I didn't for quite a long time. I didn't know anything about attachment theory, right? And once I got to understand, I said, okay, well, like, where's this pattern coming from? My own pattern, because I could see it in, as a pattern of other people around me, right? And then I uh, thought, um, mm, I would just point finger and say that, oh, this person has uh, anxious attachment disorder. Oh, no, not the d disorder, anxious attachment style. Oh my God, like I'm just pathologizing everything here. <laughs> Not a deserted style. And then, um, or avoidant, right? And it's like, oh, okay, now I know what it is. Now I know what that is. Now I know how to deal with this person, right? Until it dawned on me that, oh my God. I have one of those styles and my style was not a secure style of attachment either. So my entire life I've been going from person to person, abandoning them, you know, like dropping them cold like that, uh, right into the gutter, bam, done with them. You know, like if they um, somehow said something to me that I did not like, or that was beyond even repair, and I would give them the first, the second and third chance, and um, they would just uh, fail to live to my expectations, bam, gone out of my life, next. You know, while it could be a very healthy approach, right? Because we have, we know our boundaries. We know what we want, what we don't want. But at the same time, not understanding ourselves is going to cause the problems in our lives in the next relationship. And then I wondered why in this 
crazy world of why do I have the same type of a person coming to my life all the time with the different faces, tall and short and um, of the, the bold and with hair. Like, why? Why in the world from the um, different ethnic backgrounds, even um, so different countries? So I had European boyfriends and I had American and I had all sorts. But then all would be the same with the same type of a personality because it felt familiar to me in the first place. Second, I did not look into myself to see why am I having this pattern? Those people have no clue why they come into my life. I have to be able to understand like why. And for that, in order to do that, we have to stop. We have to stop we have sometimes there is an epiphany when we hit the rock bottom, right? They okay, I can't go like that anymore. This is it, I'm destroyed. Um, emotionally, financially, I can't go on like that. So, what it is important to do is just to stop and be honest with yourself, go into another room, give yourself some time not really running around or uh, pampering yourself massages with the different kind of um, uh, physical things that make us feel good. Yeah, they may work for a while. But if you don't dig deep into your subconscious, you don't dig deep, even scratch the surface, nothing's going to be possible and you will continue to meet the same kind of person again and again and again. So for me, Dr. Sherry, it took me two years, two years in the convent, sort of, <laughs> away from any relationship, away from anything. Well, of course, like I would uh, live my normal life uh, um, working, seeing people. It's not that uh, I really went into a monastery for a couple of years, but I gave myself that time. And up until I decided what is important to me? Why am I having these patterns? Why am I settling for all, all of these wrong partners? Why am I excusing this behavior? Once I found it, then I was able to get out of uh, my uh, solitude. But not that, for, for me, for example, it took two years of deep soul searching. For other people, it may be... Um, will take less time, but nevertheless, we have to be able to stop. And I cannot stress that the, um, stress the importance of it enough because it is so difficult to look into ourselves. We distract ourselves with everything, with friends, with parties, uh, with the uh, books, with movies, with travel, with anything that we want. So we would not look into ourselves. That is the most important thing. So I did it. And after that, I was able to find um, a life partner that would be of what I wanted him to be. Because before, whatever I wanted would manifest, right? And the interesting thing is that if we talk about manifestation, our new age manifestation, whatever you wanted manifest, right? I was able to do everything, everything. For me, that came easy. To the um, to little bitty details, if I, for example, wanted, to, if I saw uh, a nice looking man with a great personality, right, and really attractive, and I'm like, oh, I really like him, you know, met one guy at the library studying, and 
he was married at the time and he was just a very uh, interesting person, very nice and polite and something that I really wanted to have in my life. But of course, uh, uh, the, the person being married it is of, uh, uh, um, um, out of the question. But I thought to myself, oh, how nice it would be to have this kind of a man in my life, th this type of a man in my life. Before you know it, six months went by, I got the same exact person, not the same man, but looking the same, the same height, the same personality, looking the same facial features, even the teeth structure would be the same. You know, we'll have different, it's like we have our own personal DNA, right? The shape of our teeth, even that would be the same. So every single time that I would go out and thinking, mm, this is what I want. And this is a list that I want. Before this two years, before all that soul searching experience, I would just be asking the universe for different things that I thought that were important to me at the time. Well, guess Perhaps what? You were trying to fill a void. I was trying to fill a void. At the time, I thought, okay, this should this sound nice. I want to have this in my life. And every time it would come exactly in the package that I ordered, exactly. And then I was thinking to myself, like, how in the world am I not getting, how in the world am I not happy? Why am I not getting what I really want? I did not know what I really wanted. It just suited me and my situation at the time. So taking that time, Dr. Sherry, is very important. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I, I took some time myself. I think taking any time and having a sense of freedom, that's a very important thing in life is understanding the true meaning of freedom. What does it mean to you to have freedom? Because you should have the same freedom that you have on your own with a healthy partner. You should bring, support each other's goals and be healthy. And just because you take time for yourself, years could go by and you, you feel like you know yourself. Life is a journey and we're going to always make mistakes. Just because we've done, we feel like we've done so much work doesn't mean we're going to get into a relationship and it's going to be a good one. We may find things in that relationship like I did. I took some time for myself. I went into a relationship and realized there were, there were red flags there, but I chose to not see them. I thought they would fix themselves. It was a good relationship overall, just incompatible in the end. I think it's good to remember that even though you work on yourself doesn't mean it's going to be perfect when you get out in the dating world. And a, a lot of Absolutely. us perceive um, going inside as difficult and hard. I don't see it to be so difficult and hard. I just believe you have to be willing to go left after going right your entire life. You have to, you have to have the courage to sit with yourself. The ego is always going to want to take you outside of yourself. That's what it's designed for. I don't want to say the ego is out to destroy us, not technically, but when we're living in that state of that validation, that ego, if we let the ego run our lives, then it's going to pump us in other, it's going to allow us to keep going right. But if you have the courage to go left and put your, I guess, your faith, um, your, your feelings in something unknown and trust the phenomena of that, that's going into self Go left for once. Or if you've always been going left, go right. Hell, go straight ahead if you want to. 
Take exactly. the journey, have the courage. It's actually not that hard. It's just a matter of being brave and you can do it. Anyone can do it. Yeah. And that You're is born with everything you need. Absolutely. It is the journey. And that is why we are also, uh, we're sharing our stories because uh, we are not ideal. There's not one single ideal person. Well, maybe myself, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very ideal. <laughs> well, sometimes we idealize people. We idealize people and then we get to know them and we realize I idealize this person. They're not even anything that what I made up in my mind. We're very good at making things up in our mind. Very good mm -hmm. at it. Yeah, but at the same time, when we think, true, and uh, it goes the other way as well. For example, where I was uh, going with, like, I am myself, the uh, I'm the ideal person, right? And of course, I'm not. <laughs> oh, who knows? Well, maybe I am. You know? But no, seriously. Ideally, you are. Ideally, ideally, we can think of ourselves as the person who deserves everything. And those people that come our way, they should serve us for whatever reason, right? But um, what's important to understand about it, that not only that the people that come our way try to manipulate us, we are manipulating them as well. Mm -hmm. So having this... Uh, attitude in life that I'm the best and I deserve everything could be very narcissistic. Well, now we overuse this term narcissist. So the person that when the person has a different opinion with yourself, and he's like immediately <laughs> narcissist, right? And <laughs> if the person has uh, boundaries, oh my God, this person is a narcissist. You know, if you respect yourself to the point that you are not going to give in to the pressures of another person you're a narcissist you're <laughs> entitled you're a narcissist not necessarily you can have a healthy understanding of self-worth right and your position in the society and also just for yourself and not be a narcissist i've been thinking about that for quite a long time that um, we must be able to love ourselves in a healthy way and not feeling entitled that everyone out there is supposed to serve us and bring us what we want. That Yeah, because that wouldn't be love. That would not be love. Um, and then when we blame others for being narcissistic, there is a um, huge valid reason why we do that because uh, we have a highly narcissistic society that is being uh, promoted through social media, through um, our friends, even right the uh, movies. Uh, uh, look at our politicians. You know, there's so much narcissism going on as well. So, our society validates this kind of um, behavior. So, while there are true pathological narcissists out there that uh, are um, we ha that have um, predatorial behavior we have to also be able to recognize those kind of uh, symptoms in ourselves well not the symptoms but the signs in ourselves because narcissistic personality disorder if we look at it not everyone has it you know but uh, be confused with borderline personality disorder and be confused with borderline yeah. yeah if we just uh, go um 
it has to be probably the separate topic of discussion, but um, mm -hmm. uh, it is a very valid point, but uh, we also have to recognize that in ourselves. So how do we, if we're not narcissistically inclined, right? Uh, how do we recognize it in other people that come our way? So in, uh, I'm sure so many listeners and viewers have uh, already went through this pattern one way or another in their life through idealization stage, right? Uh, then devaluation and a discard. And then while we're speaking with all these technical terms, these are the stages of narcissism. And if we look at that, we can have our pattern, uh, our partners, uh, uh, boyfriends, husbands, wives, girlfriends, uh, uh, anybody. If we look at that, and we are this uh, highly agreeable, very nice person who gives ourselves away and always want to be nice, we have to be able to recognize those patterns and say, that doesn't work for me anymore. That is too traumatic. That is too destructive. At the beginning, uh, speaking of the online dating, if you meet the person for the first time, uh, for the first few times and even a few months, so there is a stage that is called the um, idealization stage, which involves the notorious love bombing stage. When the person just completely does everything for you, mirrors you, loves you with flowers, with uh, uh, different kinds of gifts, or you travel together, you're the most amazing person for them at this time. And they've never met anyone like you before. And you are so incredibly, idealistically, fantastically beautiful for them. And you start thinking, oh, my God, I've never had it before. And so many people fall for that, including myself. Oh, my God, I fell for that so many times thinking, oh, I have. But I already know um, all of this red signs, right, red flags and so many different signs of narcissism and manipulative behavior. And even I myself fell for that many times. So. <laughs> it's easy to do, you know, but at the same time, we have to be conscious about it. Um, and then what happens? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, they start doubting you. Um, they stop giving you flowers. They stop wanting spending time with you. And you are no longer that incredible person in their lives. You know, you're just an ordinary person that uh, they disregard. Quite often, they stop responding to your texts, uh, don't pick up their your calls. And then you start wondering why, what is going on there, right? And then you start doubting Patterns yourself. changed. Patterns changed. And if you believe, like, oh, those kind of patterns with narcissistic relationships, they are an ongoing patterns that happen again and again and again because people can't really change their paradigm and they continue to behave a certain way and then at the end they leave you it can be as uh, uh, dire as a breakup it can be just that i no longer want to talk to you or just give me space we need some time away from each other and that hurts that hurts a lot and then what happens after that, in a little while, they come back and they start the hovering um, stage. They come back and they want you 
to and they want to lure you back into their life. They give you all these false promises again. Uh, oh, we're so in love with each other. We're going to be so great and fantastic. And as soon as you come back, they lose the interest again. So speaking in this really simplistic terms um, would actually let people understand, allow people to understand uh, these patterns that are going on in everyday life, in everyday um, relationships. So how do we uh, go about that? How do we go about that, Dr. Sherry? How do we recognize this narcissistic behavior and actually uh, take a step to protect ourselves? First, get to know someone, understand the... To get to know yourself when you're getting to know someone, you tend to know what a red flag is. This person's telling me they love me too soon. I'm not comfortable with all this doting after knowing this person for two weeks. Just recognizing the signs of uh, those types of things. I don't think narcissism is going to be something that... I think people who uh, tend to show narcissism are very inclined to be able to charm and do, do, their, do that type of behavior for a long time. And even those types of behaviors doesn't necessarily mean someone's a narcissist. It could just be their, their attachment style has, uh, leads them to act in a manner that they're so afraid to lose what they have or they're too, so afraid to be attached to something that they, they do those behaviors. The back, the come here, go, go, it's a dance of come here, go away. Support of that idea you value and a lot of times they call you back it's either on my side of the sherry or i'm not just hearing what you're saying <clears throat> there's some, some sort of interference going on <clears throat> so i hope that the, i can no i cannot hear you so, oh you're coming in and out you're coming in and out this is better, I think. But there's some clicking going on. Okay, well, I guess we can continue. Well, while it could be the problem of attachment, of course, we cannot uh, and should not over pathologize uh, anywhere, in anybody or anywhere that you go. There's also the sense of entitlement and grandiosity, uh, need for admiration and constant need for validation. Um, while we can talk about the narcissism and how to protect ourselves from it and how not to exhibit that uh, the same behavior as uh, we condemned in other people, we also have to understand that it is not so easy sometimes to even to pinpoint the narcissist. They can be the most fantastic people that we meet. It can be, of course, on a grandiose level that you see the person and that that person is completely, you know, and you see that it's a grandiose uh, behavior, sense of entitlement. And these people are not, <clears throat> are not shy to let you know about it. <clears throat> but at the same time, there are narcissists, uh, uh, which are called covered narcissists. They're not so obvious. You cannot really see them as narcissists, you know? So how do we um, understand things that are not so obvious? 
We are we are streaming live uh, from the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7 FM from beautiful New Orleans. And I'm Dr. Yana, and this is Dr. Sherry. And we are talking about relationships, how to navigate through nonsense. So, Dr. Sherry, have you met any covert narcissists in your life? I, no, I go as far as a narcissist. I, I could say I had my head of um, not, not have not experienced a relationship out of So, I but I engage I'm not hearing you. I'm not hearing you. I don't understand what's going on there, but um, maybe we need to fix somehow. Is it on my end? Can you hear me well? Yep, I cannot hear you well at all. So I don't understand what is going on. There is some sort of a static going on. Clicking. What's that? What did you say? Perhaps there's a feed. It's going in and out. Maybe you can just disconnect uh, the, um, maybe there's a microphone, maybe microphone problems, I don't know. It's at your end. I, I see it here, it is at your end. I can't hear you. No, 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 I, I can't hear you. Yeah, but that has, that has been an issue in some places I hear, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not the, the only time. So we also need to understand uh, when we meet other people and when we interact with them, what are the little bitty um, signs that we need to pay attention to in regard of narcissism? And that can be, of course, narcissistic behavior that is a part of many different uh, psychological um, disorders. But the predatory behavior, we will call it the predatory behavior and a destructive behavior. So, for example, we have um, something that is called gaslighting. And I'm sure many people know about it, but those that don't. Dr. Sherry, could you tell us a little bit about gaslighting, if we can hear you well? Can you hear me? Oh, I can I hear you. Yeah. Hear me. Oh, fantastic. Hear me. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't think it's good. gaslighting you the whole time. That's ah, it, you, know? you were gaslighting me the whole time. <laughs> the... <laughs> gaslighting. Well, that's a that's a huge one. That's basically manipulating someone into believing something that happened perhaps happened to, happened to them when it actually didn't. Do you have any examples in your personal life, um, Dr. Yana? Well, in my personal life, yes, 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 yes. Or yes. like in your personal experience? My personal experience, I had so much of that. And before, I didn't know anything about gaslighting. And, you know, it is so incredible that uh, nowadays the, the youth knows more about it than we do at the, our age. This is incredible to me because uh, I am so glad that the youngsters now, the new generation, they are knowing. And even my um, 
15 year old daughter. Oh my God, she knows so much about it. However, we can call anything um, gaslighting, right? Even when the person is telling the truth, you can see that, oh no, that never happened. Like, and this, uh, you're gaslighting me, right? The person may not be even uh, responding to your text and saying like, listen, this is what happened. Like with the CME, for example, mm -hmm. right now, right? The technology yeah. problems, right? The sun is overly active nowadays. And uh, today, the uh, electromagnetic uh, storm today and uh, radio blackouts and everything. So there could be problems with communication, right? And we can immediately assume that the person is lying to us. So we have to be cautious about labeling um, everything as gaslighting. But at the same time, there are very, it, it is a very serious issue. Uh, for example, I will connect it to the person who, whom I like tremendously. The, the person had a, an incredible personality uh, that was, uh, um, um, not calling names, uh, one of the people of the art world. So I found that person so magnificent so incredible with incredible personality and the heart was fantastic his heart was in the right place he was always caring about feelings of other people uh, accommodating them you know sometimes going against himself and uh, always like telling the truth and um being working at the benefit of the entire world you know like being so selfless at the same time and i started to like that person meaning as a friend and then I started noticing that the indiscrepancies in the story, in the narrative that he was telling me. One time it would be the story that um, he was adopted, completely adopted as a child, never had any parents. And another time would say, oh no, my mom is actually my biological mom, my dad is not. And every time thinking that I am um, a smart person, you know, I still have, I still have my good memory, right? I don't have memory lapses. And I started thinking that, how is it possible? Am I um, remembering things correctly? Or what is going on? And I pointed out, I, I thought you said it differently. No, 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 you are not remembering it correctly. I never said it. And that is on such a mundane level, of course, that I never said it. And then uh, you are confused. I don't know where you get this information from. And with the different kind of um, questions that I asked the person on different occasions, that the, something that I would be remembering that he said before, or through the conversation or even through texts, I never said it. You're confused. Are you okay? He's asking me that have you been going through something in your life? And at some point in time, you don't expect um, anything malignant from the good person, right? And then um, I started thinking and observing the behavior. And I have realized what it was. It was the person who was exhibiting uh, closet narcissistic behavior. It was not an overt narcissist with a crazy, crazy sense of entitlement and grandiosity. That person was kind of working behind the scenes, you know, um, not so overtly, 
but at the same time, it was looking for admiration, for validation. The person had lack of empathy regarding of the image that he was projecting on uh, others of this, the most benevolent, fantastic, and caring person. And if we think, for example, at, of narcissism, how incredibly uh, destructive it can be, so how avert, and we immediately know that the person is a narcissist. No. Sometimes we don't know that the person can exhibit narcissistic behavior who can be that narcissist with the same pattern of behavior that carries from one relationship to another. And that can be so destructive. We can think of the person as so incredible, the best person in the world. Oh my God, we're so lucky to meet this person and have in our lives. When in fact, it could be a narcissist. And a narcissist, they uh, operate through the position of shame deep deep seated shame so that's why they gaslight that's why they look for admiration for validation and they have to somehow silence the voice of the shame that they have so while we think that narcissists can be uh, or are uh, self-assured fantastic incredible people who can get their way through just like looking good through being so charismatic and outgoing they are not at the end of the day, they sit with themselves and they're deeply uh, not self-assured. They're deeply um, in pieces with themselves, but they will never let anyone see that. So with the gaslighting, when the person uh, uh, is continuously doubt, making you doubt your reality, you have to put a stop to it, or at least with yourself to understand, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, I heard that correctly. And the thing is that if you bring that evidence to the person, like through the text or the voicemail, for example, and you tell them that, oh, this is exactly how I heard. What happens with narcissists, that they will tell you that it is your problem, that how dare you accuse them uh, of, of this, how can you be so insensitive? So they will turn tables on you. It is not an easy, it is not an easy way at all to navigate through manipulation and narcissism and uh, predatory behavior out there. It is not easy at all, but we can get acquainted with that and start thinking and pondering and seeing the patterns that the person is exhibiting, right? And then drawing our own conclusions that relationships I, about growth it's about growth and you're growing with yourself all the time right you're your own you should become your own best friend and a lot of the times that we are our own worst friends we don't give ourselves the best advice and we continue to give third the fifth the tenth and two hundreds chances to the person who will never change and narcissists will never change if you see that person those people will never change so now uh what else uh, do we need to cover here we have spoken of the types of daters and uh how 
do people manipulate us and we manipulate them, of course, uh, uh, through silent treatment. Silent treatment is an, another incredible thing when people ghost you at the same time. Uh, when they're playing a victim, playing a victim, if you see or hear the person complaining a lot and constantly uh, appearing to be the victim of uh, circumstances of other people, then you must be able to understand that the, there it's a huge sign of narcissistic behavior. So while we think that uh, grandiose narcissism cannot be victims, oh yes, they're victims all the time. And you will be able, uh, you, you will want to fix them or help them when in fact you are not able to do so. It's like a never ending well, unsatisfied well uh, that um, uh, the person will try to fill again and again and again. And that's not just not possible. So uh, spoke about gaslighting, emotional manipulation, um, then deceptive communication. Well, the deceptive communication, I um, we should make it actually the separate topic of discussion, Dr. Sherry, how to recognize deception. How do people lie to you? Of course, we cannot really cover that in just a few minutes, but that is a very, very pertinent topic because we lie to people and they lie to us. Not necessarily that um, we should go outside into the world not protecting ourselves and we should be telling the truth all the time, right? No, but people lie and sometimes they lie blindly by giving you the information that you want to hear. So if you're sometimes out there, we lie to ourselves. What's that? Sometimes we lie to ourselves. Oh, I'm a master. Yeah. I was a master of lying to myself. Oh, I just loved it, you know? <laughs> I just <laughs> and I'm sure that many people are the same way up until the time that I decided to be brutally honest with myself. You know, it was not pleasant at all. I must tell mm -hmm. you to be honest with yourself is not pleasant at all. So it may feel um, really unsettling sometimes because what's all about taking a different path. Because once you take that path and you embrace it, I believe it's one of the most beautiful feelings in the world. I mean, what can be better than honesty? That's Not what much. we think, my dear. That's what we think. Mm -hmm. But it can be so unsettling. And even with myself, when I understood that I also have... Uh, uh, the unhealthy attachment style, the anxious attachment style. When I understood that, it was so unpleasant for me. That, and I thought myself as uh, having a secure attachment style. I've always been the, um, I've always be, been behaving correctly, seeing that in other people. Oh, it's their fault. You know, it is my fault as well. So, but it was very unsettling. I had, it, it was painful. It was painful because that changes your own narrative of yourself, of your life story. So you have one image of yourself and all of a sudden you think that that is not the truth. So true. No strength, you must know pain. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, it yeah. Gets you there. It, it gets you there. It, it may be unsettling, but at the end of the day, to become honest with yourself, I think it feels you, you have a feeling of goodness inside of you, even though you have to 
what is often called grieve, grieve these things of us, grieve those, the, the person that I was and embrace the person I'm becoming. Because I think it's important to also note that those people, people including ourselves, we often sometimes slip into victimhood, own lives, because it's just a, a, the person that we in our lives. So I wouldn't necessarily, I wanted to clarify that perhaps just in case uh, others listening, that just because someone's in victimhood doesn't necessarily make them a narcissist. When it is temporary, when it is temporary and right. we deal with it and we when get out of that situation that we're in. But when it is a yes. continuous pattern that people are exhibiting and talk about them, how they have been mistreated their entire life through their parents, through their friends, how they've been mistreated at the work, that their boss is the worst per person in the world, right? Then that can be problematic. If you hear that on a continuous basis, then that's the problem. Looks like yes, we are, we were frozen here for a little bit, and we're blaming the are sun. Are you ghosting here. us now? <laughs> we are blaming the sun. <laughs> are you ghosting us? <laughs> yeah. So things have stopped on my end. At least we can hear well, each other, hear which you. is good. Yeah. So what about um? How about rejection and enjoying the process of being out there and dating? Not to always look at it as a down word spiral. What, what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on enjoying the moment and dealing with rejection and not making rejection attached to your self-worth? Well, uh, then it is a doggy dog world. There is the, um, in the online dating. So how do we go about rejection? We should not take it personally. We should take it transpersonally, knowing that we all come from different places. We come from different stories and understanding of life and relationship with our own different baggage, whether we deal with that or not. So the rejection can be perceived very personally when it is in fact not. Looks like I completely lost everyone here. Sherry, can you hear me? Or can you I see me? You. Oh, I'm back. I'm back. You're back. You're back. It's all the sun, sun, sun. The... Oh, okay. My Siri is talking to me. <laughs> and I have the British uh, voice, of course, because that's the only one that understands my accent when I give him directions or um, asking the questions. This is so funny. Yeah. So now we're all back. And yeah. that is, um, could be, um, that is a problem. Okay, so we have uh, been having all these technical difficulties. We better, um, we better bring the show to an end. And I've been having all these clicks and everything and it's so destructive. Um, we have been streaming live from United Public Radio Network, 105.3, 107.7 FM. And we have been your hosts. I am Dr. Yana, and this is Dr. Sherry. We are bringing you the honest conversations about the relationships. And not one single topic is too small. Not one single uh, story is not told. So we're going to be talk talking about everything. So if you have any questions, come and ask us. Please join us live 
or in recording. Ask us questions. We'll be happy to respond to them. And thank you for joining us today. Goodbye.